throughout this week, I've been following a, a kind of an outline. Um, it comes from a track. It's called the Grace Track. Um, G-R-A-C-E, Grace. Uh, and it stands for God. The, the, the gospel begins with God. He is great and glorious. He made everything. We owe Him our worship. He is totally good. He gave us everything we have, and yet R stands for rebellion. We have rebelled. We have sinned. We have shaken our fist at God. We do not want to worship God naturally. Our our natural bent is to sin. Our natural bent is to disobey Him. We are spiritually dead. And then third, atonement. We looked at Isaiah 53 and what Jesus did for us on the cross. He took our place. God was angry at our sin and Jesus took our place. He took our punishment on Himself. And then conversion. We need to have a change from one thing to another. We need to go from His enemies to His friends. We need to go from from death into life. And the only thing that can cause that is the Word of God proclaimed that brings life from the dead. And tonight... As we've seen, uh, when, when a person is converted, whenever they go from death into life, we have eternal life. That's the E. Eternal life. We will live forever. Now, of course, you know, if we've, we've heard this, we've, we've heard John 3.16, you know, whoever believes will not perish but have eternal life, yet we look around and we know people who are believers who have died. So we understand that that doesn't necessarily mean that we'll physically live forever here in this life. No, we we live in an era that is already, but not yet. He has given us true spiritual life. He has given us a change in our hearts that we really do have life, but there's a not yet component. Because He will bring in all the consummation of all things whenever He returns again. And He raises up our bodies from the dead. And we live with Him for eternity. Tonight we're looking at Revelation chapter 4. Looking at the throne room of God looking at what goes on there in the throne room of God and how we will worship Him forever and ever and ever and ever. And we won't ever get tired of it. it you know, it, when we talk about worshiping God forever, you know, some people think, well, that sounds kind of boring. What are we going to do? Sit around and sing hymns all day? No, we're going to be blown over by the majestic... I can't even describe it all. We will be blown over by how great and glorious God is. And we'll never get tired of it. We will worship Him. We will praise Him. For He created us and He has redeemed us. And that's what we'll see tonight in this text. We're going to actually read two chapters tonight. 
Revelation 4 and 5. After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven, with one seat on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and seated on the thrones were twenty-four elders, clothed in white garments, with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumbling and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as, a, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature, like a lion. The second living creature, like an ox. The third living creature, like the face of a man. And the fourth living creature, like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes around and within And a day and night, they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the twenty-four elders fall down before Him who is seated on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals, And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look in it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, 
which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated upon the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then... I looked and I heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea And all that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us Lord, this is difficult when we look at the kind of of symbolic imagery that we see in a text like this. Lord, we pray that you would give us ears to hear. And Lord, we pray that you would help us, that you would open our eyes that we may see. I pray that you would give me clarity of thought. I pray that you would give me strength. I pray that you would give me grace as I preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. As Chad said, worship exists. I'm sorry, (laughs) I got it flipped around. Missions exist. Because worship doesn't. That kind of flips our conventional wisdom on its head. We think missions exist because there are people, lost people out there that need to hear the gospel so that they can avoid hell. Well, yes, I'm not saying that that's not true, but think about it from the other perspective. The way the the, the quote says, missions exist because worship doesn't. God is worthy. He is worthy of all of our worship. He is worthy of our attention. He is worthy for us to give Him all glory, all praise. And yet, we don't. We don't do that. 
We don't do that naturally. And there are people all over the world, millions upon millions of people who are not joining in to the worship that God deserves. He made us. And He was slain to buy us with His own blood. He deserves our worship. He is great. He is glorious. And we are to behold Him this week, tonight, every day for the rest of our lives. We are to behold Him. Let's look at what this text says. After this, I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. I believe that's kind of a reference back to Ezekiel chapter 1. We didn't look at Ezekiel chapter 1. We looked at 37. But John here is using some uh, Old Testament language to describe what he's seeing. I want to be careful here. I'm not saying John is using Old Testament language and making stuff up. He's seeing this vision in reality. But as he writes things down, he's being very careful to use the Old Testament language that describes what he's seeing. I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven and the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said. Now, what is that? What's that first voice that I heard speaking to me like a trumpet? You have to turn back to chapter 1 for that. When you look at chapter 1, there's a voice that speaks from heaven. It sounds like a trumpet. I don't know that I'm necessarily going to read it. But basically, it's Jesus. It's Jesus speaking out loud. And He's saying, I am the, the one who was slain. Um, I'll go ahead and turn there. When I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me and turning, I saw seven golden lampstands and in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man clothed with a long robe with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs on his head were white like wool, like snow. His eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. His voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was shining like the sun in its full strength. You want to know what Jesus looks like today? (laughs) You want to know what Jesus looks like now? Look at Revelation chapter 1. This is a description of the risen and exalted Christ in heaven. And it uses this language to describe him. It says that his hair was like wool, like snow. This is also something that points us back to the Old Testament. In Daniel chapter 7, there was a a man with a similar description. Someone who was uh, like a son of man with hair white as wool that came up to the Ancient of Days. God the Father. And the Ancient of Days gave this son of man a kingdom. And power and authority that would never end. Daniel was looking forward and seeing the same Jesus we see here in Revelation chapter 1. And then we also see he has flame, uh, eyes like flames of fire. 
these flaming eyes. It's like Jesus has x-ray vision. (laughs) He can look and he can see everything. There is nothing we can pull over his eyes. He sees what's going on in his churches. He knows what's going on. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows what you may look at on the internet. He knows everything about you. And you can't hide it. You may be able to hide it from other people in your family. You may be able to hide it from other people in your church. You may be able to hide it from your parents. But you can't hide anything from Jesus. He is the one with eyes like flames of fire. It says, from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. The scripture is described as a two-edged sword. It's, sharp. it's sharper than any two-edged sword. When Jesus speaks, he has the power of the word of God that spoke and the whole creation came into existence. He has the power of the word of God when he speaks. He can bring life from the dead just like Lazarus and just like each one of us whenever we came to faith in Jesus. He spoke and we heard the voice of the shepherd and we followed him. Jesus is here, though, who's the one speaking. I heard him speaking to me like a trumpet. Come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. He's showing John a vision of the future. At once I was in the Spirit and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. Does this sound familiar? Sunday morning, Isaiah had a vision. In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated seated on a throne, high and lifted up. John is using the same kind of language to describe the vision that he saw as he reads in Isaiah and Ezekiel. And he who sat had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. These descriptions of the jewels and things like that, the rainbow, uh, all those kinds of descriptions, they come from Ezekiel, the one we didn't look at the other day. But then, notice it says about these, um, well, let me back up. Then he says there's 24 thrones. And seated on these thrones are 24 elders clothed in white garments. That's again a reference back to the Daniel 7 image. Daniel 7, whenever there's a, a, the, the Son of Man comes before the Ancient of Days, there's also a bunch of thrones that were set out, signifying the, the last judgment that was coming. And after he describes the, the, um, the 24 elders, he describes these four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. In Ezekiel, he describes these same things. In Ezekiel, it's as if the, 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 um, these four living creatures have a, a four different faces on each one of them. One with the face of a lion, one with the face of a cow, one with the face of, a, of, a, of an eagle, and one with the face of a man. It looks like that in Ezekiel. But here, John seems to describe four different Living creatures, one had a face of a, of a 
cow and one had a face of a, of a lion and one had a face of a man and one had a face of an eagle. The question is, were these different creatures or maybe John and Ezekiel had a different angle, a different view of what these creatures were like. But then he says that each one had six wings. Each one of them had six wings. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? From Isaiah. The, the seraphim that flew around the throne. The ones that had six wings. And with two they covered their face. And with two they covered their feet. And with two they flew. Again, we don't know if these are the exact same creatures. Just with a more full description. Or if these are different angelic beings. But it sounds very similar. And then the heart of the similarity comes whenever we read what these angelic beings are saying over and over and over. It says, day and night they never cease to say. This is the song that's been going on for all eternity in heaven, around the throne. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy. Same thing that we see in Isaiah 6. Holy, holy, holy. Remember that's, that repetition three times of the word holy or any adjective in Hebrew is to maximize the intensity of it. He is holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, who was and is, and is to come. God, standing outside of time. He was, He is, He is to come. And for every moment, it's the same with God. While we are temporal creatures, while we stand inside time, and and for us, the past is the past, the future we don't know about, and right now is all we really have anything to change about. For God, He was, and He is, And He is to come. He stands in all moments the same. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before Him who is seated on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns. They had crowns on these, these elders, these, these 24 elders. And who were the 24 elders? Well, we don't really know for sure. Some think maybe they're angelic beings. Some think maybe they represent the 12 tribes of Israel, the heads of the 12 tribes of Israel, along with the 12 apostles, meaning the, the, uh, the heads of all 12 from both the Old and the New Testaments. Basically, a, a kind of a completion of the heads of all of God's people. Who knows, really? But each one of them had crowns, but they didn't keep those crowns for themselves. They cast those crowns at the feet of the one who sat on the throne. And they sang, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed were created. They worship the Lord and they tell Him He is worthy to receive all power and glory for a reason. What's that reason here in chapter 4? 
For you created all things. And by your will they existed and were created. God made all things. He made us. And because He made us, He deserves our worship. He deserves it. He is worthy for us to worship Him. Just because He made us. Just like a potter makes something out of a lump of clay. Paul uses this illustration. The potter has the right to do with that clay whatever he wants to do. And we stand and we worship Him just because He made us. Because He puts breath in our lungs. Because He sustains us every day. We exist by His will. And at the moment He chooses, we will no longer live. But chapter 5 introduces something new. Chapter 5, he says, Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written on the back, sealed with seven seals. I saw an angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look at it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look at it. What's in this scroll? Would you like to know what was in the scroll? Would you like to know what was in the scroll? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know and nobody knows. Um, there's an idea, maybe from, from Roman custom, because it was written on both the back and the front, that maybe it was a, a, a title or deed or a last will and testament kind of a document, which would mean maybe it's the covenant that God made with His people. And some suggest maybe it's the scroll that tells all of God's purposes in human history. Would you like to know God's purposes in all of human history? Would you like to know and understand how God can bring glory? How God can bring good things out of the darkest moments of your life? How could God bring good out of the loss of a child? How could God bring good out of the loss of a friend who died in a car accident? How could God bring good out of all the human tragedy and suffering that goes on in the world? Maybe what was on this scroll was the purposes of God for all of human history that answers those questions for us. Why? Why? And this angel proclaims, Who is worthy to open The scroll. Who is worthy to break its seals? Is there anyone? Anyone? Last call. Anyone? And there seemed to be silence for a while. Wondering. We want to know. We're waiting in anticipation. And it's so deep anticipation that when nobody steps forward, John begins to weep. 
I want to know what the answer is. I want to know what the reason for the suffering in my life. I want to know whatever question it is that you want to ask God. What is the answer? And then, when it seems like there was no one worthy, there was one worthy to open the scroll. Weep no more. Behold, this one is able to open the scroll. The lion of the tribe of Judah. Descendant of Judah. Descendant of Perez. Descendant of David. Son of Joseph and Mary. He was able to open the scroll. The root of David. It seemed like the tree had been cut down. The shoot brought forth from the root of David. Jesus has conquered, it says. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. He can open it and give us an answer to what is contained in those scrolls. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing. As though it had been slain. Jesus taking the appearance of a lamb. A lamb. As though it had been slain. And not just any lamb. It, tell, it shows these seven horns. Now seven often, you know, we, we, we're dealing here with symbolic numbers sometimes and images. In the book of Revelation, the number seven is the number for completeness. And the horns often symbolize power. So what Jesus this lamb, this meek lamb, has perfect power. He is all-powerful. Nothing lays beyond His ability. And it says He has seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into the earth. Again, the same number, seven. Perfect. Completion. He all-knowing and all-seeing. Just like before, He had the eyes of flaming fire. He sees everything. He knows everything. And He went and He took the scroll from the right hand of Him who was seated on the throne. And when He had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding, holding a harp and a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. Notice that. It's a new song. What were they singing before? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And it was based in creation. For you created. And by your will, all things existed. And were created. But here they change their song. They sing a new song. Now they sing, Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain. And by your blood you ransomed a people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. What made Jesus worthy to take the scroll and open its seals? Because He bought us with His blood. Amen. 
Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. You know what? Before Jesus died for our sins, before any of the work of redemption happened, God was worthy of worship because of our creation. But after His work of redemption, when He went to the cross, when He died, when He suffered and was slain like a lamb that was led to slaughter, we worship Him for a new reason. Not only did He make us, but He took what could have been thrown out by the side of the road and He picked us up and He washed us off and He loves us. He loves us. He took what could have just been tossed aside. And He's redeemed us. He bought us with His own blood. It says, For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed a people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You know something we need to see from this text? We need to be reminded of. When we here in America... Think about Christianity. It's often that it can begin to, to, to think, we can begin to think like it's a white man's religion or something. Christianity began in the Middle East. Jewish people. It very early began to flourish in Africa before it became very, very flourishing in Europe. Jesus came to redeem people from every tribe and every tongue. We are just lucky to be included in God's plan of redemption. Every tribe, every tongue, every people, every nation. But you know, there are languages out there that still exist in the world today where no one has ever heard the name of Jesus before. And God is worthy of the worship of those people in those tribes that have never even heard the name of Jesus. Who is going to go and tell them so that they can be there on that day with us worshiping and praising Him for the glory that He deserves? For ransoming a people for himself. Who's going to go and tell them? Missions exist because worship doesn't. There are peoples and nations and languages who need to hear the name of Jesus. They need to hear the gospel preached to them. They need to hear that they are lost in their sin and the only way they can be saved is by trusting in Jesus who was a sacrifice for their sins. He's worthy for us to go and tell them. He's worthy for us to go and tell them. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God. Notice this. Every tribe, tongue, nation, and people. But you've made them a kingdom. There are people from every tribe, tongue, every ethnicity, every language. You've made them one people. Racism. 
is an abomination to God. Because He died. He bought people with His blood to make people from every tribe, tongue, and nation into one kingdom. One people. And if we think we're better than someone because of our skin color or because of our language or because of our socioeconomic status or for any reason, we're denying the Gospel. And they shall reign on the earth. Oh, and it says, a kingdom of priests to our God. What is our function? We're bringing people to the Savior. We're standing as not the great high priest like Jesus. He's the one who stands before the throne of God interceding for us. But as our priestly function, we go to the nations pleading with them as Christ's ambassadors to come to Him. Then I looked and I heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. And then I heard every creature. First he was talking about those in heaven saying He's worthy, He's worthy. And then He heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and everything, every creature. And the Bible tells us every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Every creature will one day sing to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. That's why chapters 4 and chapter 5 go together. Chapter 4 was about the one who sits on the throne. Chapter 5 is about the Lamb who was slain. And in its very last part, it says, to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. The same worship is to be attributed to each of them equally. And the Lord tells us in Isaiah... I am the Lord, there is none beside me. Worship me alone. If God, the Almighty, is to accept worship alongside anyone else, then it must be Him. The Lamb and the one seated on the throne are the same. Same in essence. Equal in dignity. We have a trinity of persons. Father, Son and Holy Spirit. We worship them because they are worthy. The Father planned all of the work of redemption. It was a part of His plan from the foundation of the world. The Son He sent into the world, He gave His only Son to die, to take our place. He was the purchase price so that we could be saved. And the Spirit He sends, alivening our eyes, bringing life from the dead. Each person in the Trinity is involved in our salvation. 
Then finally, the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. When we see a vision like this, of God who is lifted up high and exalted, of the angels who cry out, worthy is He to be worshipped because He created all things, and worthy is the Lamb because He was slain and purchased a people for Himself, we ought to join in that worship. He deserves your worship. He deserves your worship. Have you bowed your knee to Jesus, the King? Have you bowed your knee to Him? He is worthy of your worship. He made you. He gives you your every breath. He died for you. He went to the cross and suffered unimaginable pain. He was slain for you. What are you going to do? My prayer is that the Holy Spirit grabs a hold of you, opens your eyes, and you run to Him. Thank you.